Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast Season 2, hosted by Ben Wyatt. Your destination for food trends, business talk, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Before we start, a huge thank you goes to Worth Foods, who are our podcast sponsor. Worth Foods believe that enjoying a snack is an opportunity to pause for a moment, even when you're on the go. So next time you're listening to a Retail Ready podcast, grab a Worth Foods bar and enjoy a delicious pause moment in your day. Visit worthfoods.com.au for more information. Now let's get on with today's Retail Ready podcast episode. Welcome back everyone to the Retail Ready podcast like I said the the week before, we've had a little break and now I'm back in full force and the guests are getting better and better and I'm just really looking forward to hearing this story from our guest today because she, we don't really have anyone on the show who could say they're a scientist, a lawyer and an ice cream passionate um, entrepreneur and i'm really excited to welcome roz to the show so welcome to the retail ready podcast roz how are you i'm good thank you for the welcome and the warm welcome in fact oh i'm i'm very i'm very keen just like i said offline then um what a story you have i want to i want you to introduce yourself in 30 seconds just who are you yep what do you do and I'm then just going to start peppering the questions at you. Okay, fantastic. So my name is Roz Caldor Aroni. I'm the owner of ice cream brand Elato, Elato Ice Cream. It was launched about 18 months ago. Um, I've got a pretty eclectic background, um, as Ben already mentioned. Um, I trained at uni in science and law, very passionate about maths and chemistry, including some food chemistry. But I didn't do much with that. I um, became a commercial lawyer, did that for a number of years, ended up in senior management at Telstra, um, got burnt out and um, frustrated there because um, I really wanted to do good in the world. I kind of had a bit of an epiphany, you know, life's too short to um, fight with suppliers every day of the week, um, which is what I was doing at Telstra. So I co-founded a not-for-profit with a friend, which was a medical research not-for-profit, um, and that was um fantastic um but it still wasn't enough because i got pretty burnt out there and i was hobbying in ice cream so um that became maybe the next path uh, including doing some training um and uh you know that's basically cutting a long story short uh, my husband and i decided we would do ice cream but the purpose of our brand elato is to use my quite significant ice cream making skills because I've trained in three continents, Australia, Italy and Canada, to give back. And so it was always about how do I leverage my product development knowledge and skills to give back to the community. I love it. Absolutely amazing. And I'm going to start with question one. So I, I've i tasted your product, Roz, and it was actually naturally good. I, I don't know if you remember a little random guy coming over and um, trying your your ice cream. And uh, I remember having the coffee one, which tasted absolutely amazing. And that was a year ago, literally it a was. year ago. So what you've achieved in 18 months is pretty incredible. Do you Thank want you. I usually go back to the start, but I'm, right. I'm keen to hear in – in the last 18 months, how has been, how's that ride been and, and where did you start? And then I want to talk about the idea and the recipe development. Okay, and, great. But 18 months, summarize for me sure. what that's been and where the hell did you start? 
Uh, no, we started with product development. Uh, we started with um, looking for a manufacturer, um, which uh, so so because I developed my own products um, and um, the last stop in my um, knowledge journey was in Canada, learning about ice cream with the world's leading ice cream academic, Professor Doug Goff. Uh, that all happened just before COVID in December 2019. Um, started travelling after that, came back. Um, uh, so um, came uh, back from travels and it was uh, February 2020, an ominous month, as we know mm. that sort of March 2020 is when COVID started. And so um, we'd made the decision that I would use my skills to create an ice cream brand because we could. ice cream is very scalable. The equipment and the manufacturing is very expensive, um, much more expensive than doing um, gelato and scooping. Uh, but we wanted to leverage my skills and give back. So we decided a scalable product was the way to go and we'd have to go with a contract packer because uh, to scale a product um, you're not going to, build a multi-million dollar factory on day one and we've got lots of co-packers in victoria because victoria is the um the has the most dairy production in australia so there's quite a few um, however during covid people were the manufacturers were extremely busy because everyone was sitting at home eating ice cream um, however we we're very fortunate to have discovered one manufacturer who'd had quite a lot of um, cafe and restaurant business, so they had a bit of capacity because that business disappeared. And they never normally did um, co-packing, but they thought, well, we'll give it a go. We did it once before and um, they had an opportunity because there was scope and scale. So um, I started uh, there in Melbourne and uh, there's another brand as well, and the two of us started with them and we had to obviously develop our products at scale first. Having said that, one of the joys of um, my um, knowledge about ice cream is that you can develop a recipe on a spreadsheet. It's all maths, um, just with one cup recipe, which is 250 grams, and then you can add zeros and make 2,500 kilograms, and it's the same recipe because it's all science and it's all maths. So I took all my home-developed recipes because all my um, recipes are done at home. And uh, because I don't really need to worry about scale because the recipes scale beautifully. Um, and so we started doing a 40-litre trial, um, which worked perfectly. Um, and we'll, we'll get on to um, the feature of the product, but we were doing a lactose-free product. And I had a whole lot of beginner's luck, which didn't quite um, continue. So I kept thinking, this can't be right. I can't be having beginner's luck all the time. <laughs> we had um, a few issues later. Um, so we had a product. Um, and then um, the thing is you can't really do packaging um, uh, until you've got a recipe locked down. Because, uh, so um, even though I had recipes developed and I knew what they were going to taste like, I couldn't do packaging until um, I actually locked the recipe down. So that takes quite a while. That took basically all of um, – 2020 to develop those recipes wow. and so by the end of 2020 we were able to develop packaging because those recipes were locked and loaded and then you know there's a three-month lead time oh sorry you probably don't realize for ice cream packaging there's a three-month lead time because it has to come from china because in australia we don't have the technology anywhere to do the plastic lining coating on the cardboard and we wanted a cardboard pack um, uh, because it was recyclable so um, you have no choice. You have to get it from China. Right. Uh, so we had to wait three months. And then by February 21, the packs came back from China and we were able to start uh, manufacturing and creating product. Um, 
so once you have product in the packs, then you can start looking for a distributor. And uh, we also took on uh, some advisors because I don't know anything about food or retail. Um, my background is as a lawyer and um, not-for-profit. So we, um, we found um, some advisors and then they explained to us that the best way to build the brand is to get a national distributor potentially, um, get the brand out into the independent supermarkets um, and start building the brand that way, um, partly because uh, there's no hurdle rates in the indies. Um, uh, I mean, after a while, if you don't make sales, they might say to you, we don't want to keep stocking, stocking your product, yeah. but you, there's no specific hurdle rate. Um, so that's a good way to start when you don't have a brand and you've got to start building the brand. In addition to that, we made the decision to take on um, a very expensive um, leading pack designer. And I think that's turned out to be a really key part of the branding uh, because what it does, if anyone has seen our packs, is they're very instantly recognisable as being representing a delicious ice cream. And that's what we want people to think about our product. Now, we've got many better for you features but we focused on making it look yummy and delicious and even the name had to sound yummy um, because ice cream is all about taste and texture. And um, we decided not to put any better for you call-outs on the pack because uh, we want people to enjoy the ice cream and not to be put off by a you know 30% less added sugar claim because I've discovered, particularly at the Naturally Good Expo, that when you are a better for you product, people expect your product to taste awful. <laughs> and at the Naturally Good Expo, they I, I, I gave out 400 samples and I know that I know how many spoons I had. And um, uh, everyone said, oh, my God, this tastes so good. And, of course, to me, I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't it? But everyone in that expo was expecting it to taste horrible. So, But the thing is... The indulgent ice cream market is 90% of the market and the better for you market is 10%. Yeah, okay. So I, we also made a decision very early on, even though as a personal passion of mine to make my ice cream as healthy as I possibly can, the messaging on pack has to be, this is yummy and delicious, pick me, pick me, um, and don't put any call outs because already you will lose that market, that indulgent market. Interesting. And and I'm fascinated by that because it's it's a big it's a big call, isn't it? Because... Half the time, it's the claims and the call-outs that you want to highlight. Yes. Um, yes. Whereas oh, it just makes it just goes to show your your field research and your knowledge in this space um, is incredible. Because yeah, that could have backfired really quickly, and people have gone, "Oh, I didn't. Really, I've, I expected healthier and taste." So very fascinating. It's- so the, look, the upside is that you get a really nice surprise from our product is you pick it off shelf as an indulgent mm. product, you taste it and it tastes delicious. The taste and the texture, you have to get both absolutely right, are great, um, attested by the number of awards we've won. Um, and then when they turn the back of pack, they get this really wonderful surprise because they see all of these incredible better for you features. And so they realise that they're really um uh, lucked out and mm. got a brand that's covering the field essentially and so we have very loyal buyers and so the market is just growing and growing because people I think they really like particularly the younger generations like the idea of a having a surprise when they turn the pack and b that it's ticking all their boxes for um, eating an indulgent product that's also better for them and tastes delicious. Perfect so then you, you've launched your product you're getting some wins you're getting the distributor uh on board yes. and yes 
and you're seeing positive feedback, was there a moment, because it's it's still a guess, it's still like I know launching a brand, you, you believe so passionately mm-hmm. about what you're doing, but you need other people to buy into it. Yes. When, when in the journey since the launch, because you've done a hell of a lot of work to get it ready and waiting for your packaging and you send out your first carton and pallet, which is all very exciting, but you need, you need people to buy it. When, when was it since the launch that you went, oh, I've got something that people like? And, and one, what was the feeling? And two, could you just explain like, yeah, the process? Because there's a lot of people that listen to this show who have got brands or thinking about brands and I think they think it's a a continuous line upwards and it's one crazy roller coaster so a couple of things I've got this unique tasting panel uh, which is um, my family members Um, so uh, you know we're um, a Jewish family and we have traditional Friday night dinners with multi-generations around the table and so for a few years um, I've been giving them my products and they've been trialling them and I've been getting absolutely ruthless feedback. Um, and we've got, you know, kids all the way from, yeah, from the newborns. From the generation or the older generation? Who, no, who... all across the board. Um, you know, the younger kids don't like the dark chocolate because it's too strong. Um, uh, you know, I, I've tried lots of flavours, by the way, not just my current range, as you can imagine. I've, I've got hundreds of recipes I've developed. But, you know, an amazing tasting panel because we've got from newborns all the way through to, you know, people in their 80s. And so, and they're all there to tell me exactly what they think and they don't hold back. So that's the first thing is once I nailed my Friday night dinner crowd Mm -hmm. and they were happy, then I knew I'd started something. Um, But in addition to that, in the early days, before we even had a distributor, there, um, I live in South Bank in Melbourne and there are a few stores here who quite like supporting local, um, uh, developers, lo- local um, brands, um, their independent supermarkets. So I approached them first and I did some sampling in their stores as well. Right. And, I, and I did it myself. Um, I could actually love sampling. I love to hear and see people's reaction. You know, I'm a Jewish mum and there's nothing better than seeing people love your food. Um, and doing the sample yourself, uh, that's like gold. So um, I was getting amazing feedback and, uh, you know, my husband's quite cynical about all of this and he keeps <laughs> saying, oh, you know, you're, you're going to trip on the next hurdle. It's, um, you know, it can't all be that good. I mean, we like it but it can't mm. be that good. Uh, but I kept getting amazing feedback. Um, so that was the first part of kind of nailing the flavour and yeah. the um, uh, and knowing that I was onto something. Um, then obviously getting a national distributor um, was obviously another validation that we're onto something. Uh, and interestingly, I will, for the benefit of your um, listeners, tell you that um, we I did something that was extremely risky when we did um, these pitches, and I still do it. Mm. Um, we did a blind taste test where we took my three flavours, uh, vanilla and uh, decaf Cobra coffee, which are both dairy and the vegan dark chocolate, and we put them up against the equivalent flavours that are the lead in that category, the lead flavour in that category. I'm not going to say which ones they are. And they were blind. They had to choose which one they preferred. It wasn't about which was mine. It was which one you prefer. And this particular day, the distributor who um, I did this with, um, all three of them picked mine over the lead competitor. Extremely powerful selling because they thought, you know what, 
we need this brand on our shelf because we think it's better than the, the lead competitor. So that's got to be something. So that was also kind of another aha moment for me. I like that. And and that, and we've talked in the last two seasons of this podcast, it's like I've tried to give knowledge about how to get on the shelf and many, yes. many brands and business owners have also given them little golden nuggets. That right there is an incredible way of how to sell a product yes. to a retailer and to a category manager because it the, the amount of presentations that they see every day from brands all over the world going here's here's my peanut butter and here's this here's here's my lollipop etc but to sit down and have someone go all right let's have a bit of fun here's my ice cream here's someone else's ice cream i want you to just, just not talk to anyone it was the lead brand the lead. and and that just makes a meeting a hundred times better because it's it's interactive yes but it's also you're putting your heart on your sleeve going i i trust my brand yes and when they go this tastes beautiful because taste as you probably know your brand taste is people forget that taste is so important right oh you can't we i certainly don't forget that it's absolutely for a food product it's a hundred percent of your product has to taste, but not just taste. With ice cream, it also have, mm. has to have great texture as well. It's both taste and texture. I, I, I just love that style because no one's taught you that style, and no. I've never heard that, bef- that really? kind of okay. before. Really? Okay. It just made sense fantastic. to me because also when I was developing the product, I had that competitor on my bench, and I kept saying, I've got to be better than that product. That's how I'm going to make it in this business is I've, I've got it here on my bench, I know what it tastes like, and mine has to taste better. And when I'd worked out a recipe that I was happy with, then I then validated that out there in the marketplace, doing sampling, you know, doing my Friday night dinners, <laughs> and um, and that's how I validated that I my taste buds and what I had developed was was you know impressive and um, and liked by many. Beautiful. So so it's not a not a hard thing to do, but very risky, and you've got to definitely. Definitely. Uh, I, yeah. look, to, be, to be fair, I was able to do that because I am my own developer. I think some of the um, uh, people out there who are looking at creating their own brands, when it gets to the scale part, they probably have to hand it over to someone and they probably have to give up, you know, part of their dream and part of their ingredients and whatever. Um, because I knew what I was doing from day one, I gave up nothing and I worked damn hard because I knew what I was doing to get that flavour profile exactly the way I wanted it. I love it. I love it. And and I, I, I know there was a little award that you got. I, I remember seeing the photo on LinkedIn. And yes. Got lots of awards, actually. There's, there's one that pops into my head, and that yes. was the Woolies Award. Yes. So you're absolutely firing. You've done yep. your sampling. You've got yep. some distribution. Tell me about the the journey with Woolies mm-hmm. and the sure. and and how that award came about. Because sure, sure. yeah, keen to absolutely. Hear. Uh, so first of all, we did pitch initially to uh, Woolies supermarkets. Uh, we are, just for the audience's benefit, we're in um, all of the metro stores, but we're not in Woolies supermarkets. Um, and we had a brilliant category manager who said, look, I really like what you're doing. I think it's got potential at, in the supermarket. However, if we took you on, you're going to have to spend a million dollars on production and product, and it's very risky for a new brand to do that. Yeah. We don't want you to fail at the first step. Uh, we want you to succeed and so recommend that you go and talk to Metro because it's a smaller requirement for volume. Um, it's a more nurturing environment 
and um, they do nurture new brands and that's kind of where we start with some of our new brands. And so we thought, great, and that's what we did. Um, and so we then went and pitched to Metro. Um, that was uh, November 21. And uh, and they said, yes, we'll take you on. We like your story. We like what you're doing. We like your flavours. We like your passion. And so we started, we were in, on shelf, um, officially we were on shelf at the end of January where there were a lot of teething issues. So we weren't really properly on shelf until March uh, 22. So then um, during that process, um, obviously we're doing um, socials, we're looking at, um, you know, we're doing um, in the indies, we're doing a bit of magazine promotion, uh, we're doing a lot of sampling. Woolies then also asked us to do quite a bit of sampling as well, um, including um, a couple of um, new Metro openings. We gave free product, we did lots of sampling, we did a number of those. Um then there was also quite a large promotion uh, in um, December 2022, which was uh, through Metro 60, quite an expensive promotion, uh, but we were very keen to participate in that. And that actually really helped build the brand okay. toward the end of the year over summer as well, really increased sales. Um, so those are all things where Woolies, uh, where Metro said, would you help? And we said, absolutely. So we're very willing to contribute uh, and to give back to them as well as obviously um We'll get on to Oz Harvest, I'm sure, shortly. Uh, that was also of, of appeal to them. Yep. Um, and then the other thing that we did, which I think they really liked, was my husband's a completely obsessive cinema goer, loves movies, <laughs> and he was really keen for us to do um, some cinema advertising. I wasn't as big a fan because it's pretty um, uh, hit, hit or miss, although we, we settled on, um, oh, what was the name of the film? Uh, the Julia Roberts film um, in October, I just can't think of the name of it, um, uh, with um, uh, the one set in Bali. Anyway, it was, we thought our target market might come and see that film. So yeah, we okay. uh, we pitched, uh, we, we took on some ad space um, um, before that movie ran um, and also ran during school holidays. Um, but the thing about advertising, which you probably know, uh, Ben, is that unless you're seeing it multiple times, yeah. it's a bit, you know, hit or miss. Yep. Um, and so I wasn't so convinced about that. But what we did is that the, we, we had a, we made a cinema ad um, and I'm really fortunate. Uh, my son uh, uh, was in film school. I mean, he's finished now at the end of last year, but he was, he was in film school and he's got um, a cohort of um, absolutely brilliant um, cinematographers and, um, you know, uh, technicians uh, that that work with him, and so I um, I wrote the ad. Um, I was the talent, and I had one of his mates who's an exceptional cinematographer film it, and we came up with a beautiful product, a really beautiful ad. And you can see it actually if you go to our website. It's the first thing you see is the ad we made, ah, and it was great on the big screen. And we also put Metro in big lights at the end of that that cinema ad, and they loved that because I didn't ask for a cent for that. That was you know, from us. Obviously, we're going to say where you can buy it um, at the end, uh, but they love the fact that we put in all that time and effort to give them a plug. That is, the Indies were also there, but the Indies, yeah, well, the Indies were also on the at the end. You'll see at the end of that thing if you watch it online. Um, the Indies are there too, but, you know, all you can say is select independent supermarkets. You can't really put logos or anything up. Mm. There's just no time. Whereas the Metro logo was pretty easy to just, you know, bam up there on the last slide. So, um so that was interesting, uh, but more interesting this is another bit of a tip. We also, at the same time, because we had the ad, um, we supported the Jewish Film Festival. We became a sponsor there, 
And the advantage of that at any um, uh, cinema festival is that people are coming multiple times and seeing the films uh, and they're seeing the ads multiple times. And we were luckily right near the end of the ad stream of sponsors. So they were seeing our ad just before their film lots of times. And we also um, had our, we have Dixie, had by then Dixie Cups and the Dixie Cups were also for sale in the cinema. So it became this absolutely powerful um sampling opportunity i mean they had to buy the dixie cups but still they saw the ad they saw the dixie cups they tried it and it was extremely powerful and it had the multiplier effect that we didn't get in the mainstream cinema because that was just you know a one-off hit or miss so i would highly recommend anyone who's got a food that can be sold in a cinema to basically try and do use it as a sampling opportunity and you know to pay the sponsorship which is not cheap but the benefits are huge i i really like that well there's the second golden nugget and the, and this this is why i've loved doing this podcast because you you hear different different angles to try and grow a brand and i've never heard of this like i've heard of advertising but how great because you've got a product that is perfect for the cinema yes. audience yes but you've utilized that to then show woolies metro going look how we're supporting Yes. Um, the sales which yes. which means so much in the scheme of things uh, and I, I can tell you like I, i'd love to have more money coming in to to promote and to to spend on marketing but it's tough yep. you do have to spend it but the the biggest thing is spend it wisely very um, selectively yeah yeah look to be fair we've done a lot of test and learn in our first um 18 months mm-hmm. as to what works so i i you know, I indulge my husband. I mean, we're, we're funding this ourselves. We're doing it together. Um, he wanted to do cinema. I wasn't really a believer. But then, you know, interestingly, once we had the ad made, I then saw, now this is a much better opportunity is to do a cinema festival because yeah. that's got all of the elements that you want. And interestingly, we couldn't get Dixie Cups into those other cinemas, the general yeah. cinemas, because those are all tied up with other other brands. And so there was no sampling opportunity at all, whereas the cinema that ran the Jewish Film Festival um, they they run their own, their own, own their own cinemas, so they obviously could put in there what they wanted. I like it. I like it. So then, I'm guessing to go back to the original question, Woolies yes. has seen you, yes, give your arm and your leg away to yep. to support this brand. Yep. But it, it's also, I'm guessing, being proven in the sales as well. Um, yes, absolutely. Because- uh, look, I, I don't think um, uh, we're I mean, I think the sales must have been sufficient. We don't, we've, we've never really had um, a conversation where our sales weren't enough. So all I can assume is that they're sufficient. And that's all um, you I need, think, isn't it? That's a, yeah, because they'll be quick when your sales are not good. Uh, yes, you hear exactly. about it. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we do have a hurdle rate, but we've never had a conversation really about that. Uh, but they also like the fact that we give back to Oz Harvest. That really aligns with their own um, strategy as well. And in, in our packs, we, we laboured the fact that we were very aligned to their corporate strategy um, in our approach to giving back because we are a genuine social enterprise, um, just to get onto that if you'll let me. Yeah. Um, uh, we Part of the, the give back that I really wanted, we decided lots of models but we decided um, that the um, model that worked for us was to give half our profits to a charity and we chose Oz Harvest because it aligns really well with food and obviously they're an amazing charity uh, and they were very easy to deal with as well. Um, 
uh, and because our our mission is actually to use the enjoyment of ice cream to support the community. That's that's the whole purpose of Alato, and I wouldn't be doing any of this if I wasn't giving back to the community. So for me, when we have really good sales, that's exciting for me because I get to give more yeah. to Oz Harvest. Um, and now, just having said that, we're not profitable yet. So we give four cents per tub because I didn't want to have a situation where if we failed, I gave back nothing. That yeah. would just kill me. Yeah. So we're giving four cents on the way per tub. That doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, That's everyone up. who listens to this know that the that this, our our selling price is only a fraction of what the retail price is, um, and so four cents is not um, a small amount for us. Um, and so, so. Um, so that I'm, you know, we've already given um, enough support to um, for them to provide six and a half thousand meals. Wow. There's another tranche of funding going in soon. Um, you know, it's just, and, and you know, that's exciting for me. That's what really drives me in this business. It's to see the enjoyment of people eating my ice cream plus the ability to give back. I love it. I love it. And and that's what I. The one that's when you look at brands. I I love your brand because there's a, there's a few aspects to it. The, there's there's you, there's a great product, great branding, and I, I recommend anyone to go on the, the website because, yeah, that video that video is fantastic. But then there's all the extras on it, the claims, the Oz Harvest, and it all comes together to be a great taste in ice cream. And that's what's great. If it was just if – you, if you forgot about the claims, you forgot about Oz Harvest – it would still be a great product because it tastes great, but then there's all these extra factors on top of it. And it's, it's a credit to yourself, but it's, it just goes to show how passionate you are about ice cream, um, which, which is fantastic. And where, where do you see the brand going or what do you want to do? Let's go for the rest of the year to then sure. into next year. What, sure. what sure. would you see as success being? Uh, we'll obviously want to grow our indie business. Um, we're in um, over 300 stores, but we want to make that grow. And we've got this amazing new flavour coming out, which we think will really help with the um, independent supermarket business. It's called Fig Ripple. Um, the other thing is not just are we giving money back to Oz Harvest, but we're also all of our flavour suppliers are also committed to social impact. They're hand-picked for that reason, uh, which is also not a cheap exercise. So the Fig Ripple, which is the one that's coming out, it's a bit complicated at the moment. It's only going to be available in New South Wales through Metro for reasons I won't bore the audience with. Um, so it, it's only going to be available actually um, at the supplier of the Fig Ripple, which is uh, Sister Works, which is an amazing charity in Melbourne who provide work-ready training for refugee women and asylum seekers. Um, and they make stuff while they're training. And one of the things they make is this amazing Fig Jam. As soon as I tried it, I just thought I have to have this in ice cream. It's just brilliant so i've worked with them for a year to work out how to scale their their fig jam recipe into a product that can be used in ice cream as a fig ripple uh, we've had lots of um, failed trials in the factory because uh, this is where we learn where i learn mm -hmm. that ripple feeders have um, lots of issues particularly with the seeds from fig um, and so we've had a number of goes at working through this but we've nailed it now but it's taken um Great good part work. of the year so um so that's something that will help us sell into more stores it's such a sensational flavor and we've already got a gold medal for it from the sydney royal and we expect to get well we're hoping to get some um, more awards for it in the um, victorian dairy and uh, national dairy awards we'll see we'll see how that goes it's happening in may well, so luck. we'll see how that goes um so 
build the indies. Um, that really helps build the brand. Uh, we're pitching to all these supermarkets in May, um, and you know, fingers crossed. We don't, we can't obviously predict how that will go, but fingers crossed. Hopefully, they're happy with our progress in Metro, and hopefully, they'll um, give us the next step. Yep. Um, and so, we're pretty committed to Woolies. Um, we haven't had conversations with Coles. Uh, we've decided at this stage anyway to um, work very hard at getting the Woolies um, sales. Um, humming uh, and plus my advisors are very very good and they tell me that I've got to be the tortoise not the hare that slow and steady wins the race the last thing you want to do is overcommit yourself and start dropping balls um, you know when I say I've got mixing my metaphors but you know juggling too many balls and letting people down so they're, they're very very um, committed and and focused on saying slow down it's a slow slow progress it's not a race so you're the, the tortoise, not the hare. I love it. I, I I remember an old GM back in my Coles days uh, say to me one day, he goes, a supermarket can either make or break a brand. So I, yes. love, I love the tortoise approach because, and yes. I love your approach. And a lot of a lot of brands out there would go, I need a Woolies, I need a Coles, but you only get one opportunity at that, and you have you've got it right. You you you're slow, steady, get the right flavors. And yes. you're now in such a better position to, to present and you've got the insights and you, you, you know, okay, yeah, we can do this marketing support and it, it comes with a cost, but yes. it could be a lot more costly if you, <laughs> if you got it wrong. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It's all about risk management as we know. Um, and so, um, but also I'm in a new area. The other reason why it's slow and steady is because it's just me. I mean, my husband's more of a helicopter view on all this. Um, I obviously have consultants I'm working with, but essentially it's still just me doing everything. So I can't, you know, I'll, I have some help with um, ordering and, yeah. and a little, little bit of help with logistics, but not a lot. Um, uh, I have an amazing marketing person um, who manages my um, interacts with our social media providers and um, so I have some I have a lot of marketing help because I couldn't do that as well yeah, um, but you still have to cut according to your cloth and you can't bite off more than you can shoot all these horrible metaphors um, but um, you've still got to be able to cope and have a life and um, be able to spend time with my husband um, luckily my child of which we only have one has grown up and left home so that freeze me up a little bit but I do have a dog like you um, who I actually walk three times a day because I need that for my own sanity so thanks to my wonderful dog I get out of the house and get some fresh air three times a day which is hugely helpful to manage stress levels and just gives you that cut off so you can just kind of you know have have a perspective on the day and just and so my lunchtime walk is critical because like I'm so stressed out by lunchtime and I know I have to take the dog out and I'll get that reprieve that that's great is uh, the the podcast last week uh, that we did with gordon it, one of his biggest advices was to look after yourself and yes and it's great to hear that because it is a lonely space it is it is a roller coaster like mm. even oh, with my own brand you you can have a po come through to your inbox and it gives you the best feeling in the world. And then the next email can just crush all your hopes and dreams. So oh, absolutely. And let me tell you, um, frozen is horrible. The logistics are horrible and ice cream is another level of horrible. And it's ironic because that's my chosen thing because I love ice cream and, I'll, and we, we really talk about the science behind it, which I absolutely am passionate about. But if I had known then what I know now about how hard ice cream is, because it's so sensitive, you know, if it doesn't make it to 
um, DC at the right temperature it gets rejected. The product can't be, you know, and when I say not the right temperature, if it's like really bad, it's not coming back. Once it's melted, it's gone. It's history. That that product is lost. Um, it's not. It's still edible. So we've given some to Oz Harvest when it hasn't been made temperature because it's not off. It's just a little bit icy on the edges when it refreezes, so it doesn't go off. Um, but it was at the supermarket won't accept it. So that's really traumatic. So the bumps that I've had are mainly logistical bumps. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of distributors won't even take ice cream for that reason because it's so risky. Everyone knows, and there's not that many carriers. And the huh, biggest drama at the moment is because of the Scots collapse. Yeah. Um, there's a huge shortage of frozen transport now and even more shortage of ice cream, uh, of, of transporters prepared to take ice cream because we've just lost that huge capacity. So anyway, that's another tip is if you're looking at frozen, particularly ice cream, uh, that is a huge challenge on the logistical space. Half my day is logistics, which is really frustrating. Well, it's funny because the last question that I wanted to ask you was over this journey – Yes. Would you have still got into frozen? Because my last question was going to be, how complicated is it to get a frozen product to the customer still frozen? And you've just answered that question. Fantastic. Well, um, look, if it maintains temperature, it's fine. I'm also quite fortunate that the formulation that I've created um, is quite has quite good melting resistance. Um, in our dairy ones, we use... Um, quite a high level of egg yolk as our emulsifier because we don't use any chemicals in our product. And the level we use has got has turned out to be um, hugely helpful for maintaining structure if the temperature, um, you know, is let's say it goes a bit below minus 18. But also to get it from shop to home, it's got very good melting resistance. So that's one upside. One thing I can say, hand on heart, um, has turned out incredibly well. So um, so that helps my product a lot um, in, in maintaining its quality. Um but no, I probably wouldn't do frozen. I definitely do ambient because uh, that's so much easier um, uh, and so much less stressful. Uh, but you know, on the other hand, I wouldn't get—I can't think of a pro- any product in ambient that I'd get excited about. You know, I can't, never say never. But um, you know, the chemistry and the physics and the maths of ice cream is what really hooked me in, and still does. You know, I love sitting down and doing a new spreadsheet. And then going to the kitchen and trialing it and expecting it to fail as you would with a new experiment. And then it works perfectly and you go, oh, my God, I proved it again. The maths works. Science and maths, it's a its a beautiful formula. It's, mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree because I, I actually brought in a dog toy from overseas and I just went, how easy is this? It doesn't go out of date. And mm, there's, 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 there's no labeling requirements. There's no MLOR issues. There's, yes. <laughs> I was like, a, but you just nailed it there by going, it it doesn't give you the passion. Like what gets you out of bed is yeah. that drive, your passion for ice cream. For me, it's building a brand and uh, in the dog treat space. And, and it, yeah, it just, it, you love it don't you it's one of them where you you, your days are long you get your headaches but your passion has just come through in this podcast uh i can feel it and thank you and i know the product's beautiful um because i tasted it and i actually and then when i saw the woolies metro award i was like oh great and i have purchased a tub and but what I've loved just listening to your story is all those extra bits because I didn't know the full the full story about the yes. brand. Um, yes. I just knew you had a great ice cream. And 
I, I wish you all the luck in the world. I'm very, I'm very keen to see how you go this year because um, you, you, you've proven it. And um, yeah, just good luck. But the, the golden nuggets of advice that you've given, I think the highlight is that interactive taste test with the yes. buyer. If, yes. if anyone else can incorporate that, I'd, I can't sure, see they any should. They still do it. Yeah, it's it's a, f- a phenomenal approach and something that um, you, yeah, it's just I've never I've never seen that before. So that what a great point of difference. Uh, uh, but you know, very risky because you've got to be very confident about your product to pull it off. <laughs> you do because it could the meeting could go very sour yep. if um, yep. if it went the other way. But but that's again your background, your science, and yes. you just being so passionate about. I will not let. Uh, an inferior product um, go on the shelf. So, yeah, Roz, I've, I've really enjoyed listening to to your story. I everyone knows where they can go and buy it. Um, what's the website so they can go and check out the video? Uh, Absolutely, um, au. Beautiful. So. I'm going to keep a, a track of your brand and I look Thank forward to, to seeing, will you be at Naturally Good again this year or do you think you'll just be a visitor or? You can- uh, I'm not sure yet. Um, uh, interestingly, the last time we did it was because we got nominated for three awards and I thought, you know what, if we've been nominated for three awards, I should take a stand. Uh, I'm pro- if, if anything, I'll probably try and um, squat on another stand yep. potentially. Uh, if we don't get any nominations, we'll see because to do a show in Sydney when we're in Melbourne is really yeah. hard and really expensive. Yeah. So um, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to a couple of um, stand holders about squatting, so I'll probably end up doing that potentially. Good work. Well, absolute pleasure chatting to you. You Thank enjoy you. the weekend ahead. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you in person. Speak soon. Excellent. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for the time. Thank Appreciate you.